0: Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of The Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This is the first week of our 2024 winter season, and we're picking back up with our study of the Gospel of Mark. If you'd also like to dive into other studies from our archive, you can search our entire library at thevillagechapel.com resources. We pray these studies will help you to think biblically in all categories of life so that we all might be formed more into the likeness of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Jim.
1: Most of us know that when Jesus taught, he often used parables. But did Jesus ever get practical? You know, nuts and bolts kind of practical. In other words, when Jesus talked about discipleship or holiness, did he ever say, if it looks like something, here's what it looks like? And then go on to spell it right out. Well, here in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 50, right through the end of the chapter, Jesus gets practical right to the point about what his disciples do, where his disciples go, and what his disciples view. So, this is real, and it includes some wise warnings about misconduct and our responsibilities. And I really appreciate that. So, that's how nuts. And bolts, practical. Jesus will be in these uh, seven or eight verses here. Let me read it first, and then we'll come back and uh, just reflect a little bit on it. Uh, Step back to verse uh, 42, and this is chapter 9. He says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, some of your translations will say, to stumble, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck. And he were thrown into the sea." So that wouldn't be a really good thing for the person who had the millstone hung around their neck and they were tossed in the sea. So this is Jesus giving a very practical warning about the way that our spiritual lives might impact someone else, especially someone who's considering the faith or someone who's younger in the faith or even just younger in life. He says one of these little ones. So right here, Jesus is talking about, in verse 42, before we get to the section we're going to look at today, Jesus is already setting this up as kind of a a teaching on real practical subjects, like how your spiritual life might affect somebody else. Now, he's going to say in verse 43, something about how your own spiritual life and how it impacts your own relationship with God. Listen to this. If your hand causes you to stumble or fall away, some translations will say, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble or fall away, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if you are eye causes you to fall away or stumble, gouge it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not um, die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another and so there's here we go this i mean there it is right there nuts and bolts what we do with our hands um, where we go with our feet and what we view with our eyes all of that somehow or another according to jesus um, is going to have an impact on our spiritual lives and and even on our destiny, he's suggesting here. So let's let's talk about these things just for a little bit. Um, The writer of the book of Hebrews would say this: make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so I don't know if you've ever gone through a period of time where your own um, actions or your own attitudes, your own behaviors have uh, just gone in the other direction away from the Lord and you actually at some point kind of woke up to the whole thing and saw the the, the distance between you and God and that's happened to me maybe that's happened to you as well and I'm here to encourage you uh, first of all, uh, Jesus didn't mean this literally because you can you know if you if you if your eye is looking at things your eyes should not look at, you can still have a problem inside your heart. Um, If your hand or your feet, if they're doing things they ought not to do, you can still have a problem inside your heart. What Jesus is simply doing is sort of with a a contrast and a comparison, he's basically saying, don't let your physical self um, eclipse uh, the higher priority of your spiritual self and your relationship with God, Don't allow that to uh, in any way get between you and God. And I think that's so very important. So here he is getting really practical with his disciples about holiness. And if it looks like something, what does it look like? It impacts the things we do, the places we go, and the things we see. And it impacts, as we read in verse 42 also, the way uh, we view our responsibility Uh, before others in terms of our spiritual life. The theologian Scott McKnight says, the person who is truly free is a person who, one, trusts, loves, and obeys God through Christ and in the Spirit, two, loves and serves others, and three, lives before God with a clear conscience as he or she grows before God in holiness and love. Now that'll be in the show notes because I know you're going to want to look that over just a little bit more, but I'm going to read it one more time. The person who's truly free. This is what real freedom, not fake freedom, not sort of a a faux sense of freedom. A lot of people think that freedom just means the freedom to do whatever I want to do. And that's not really true. Um, The freedom to Uh, be who God really made you to be is living uh, according to God's will and ways, according to God's wisdom, the way God designed you to live. And so the really free person is the person who's walking in holiness, walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which they've been called, as we read in Ephesians chapter four. Scott McKnight, one more time. The person who's truly free is a person who, one, trusts, loves, and obeys God through Christ, and in the spirit. So trusts, loves, and obeys God. Two, loves and serves others. Okay, that's ex- exactly what um, Mark is talking about here, as or as Jesus has, uh, has been recorded here in Mark chapter 9, giving this teaching, really practical teaching on holiness and what it looks like. So one, the person who's truly free is a person who loves, trusts, uh, and obeys God. Two, um, also loves and serves others. Three, lives before God with a clear conscience. There's a great freedom right there and you, you know exactly what that's like, don't you? Uh, many of us have had the experience of not having a clear conscience at some point and to have a clear conscience is a really beautiful and a wonderful freedom. It's a great thing. As you grow before God in holiness and love, Scott McKnight said, I love that. Holiness doesn't just happen. That's what Jesus is essentially saying. Um, Sin must be avoided at all costs. We must proactively engage in acts of service that bring honor to God and express our love and God's love to our neighbors. That's what disciples do. Um, They seek the honor and the glory of King Jesus, and they seek to love others in the name of Jesus with the power Of Jesus, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I run out of the capacity to love others, and yet it's the love of God shed abroad in my heart that I can draw upon during those times when I've run out of love for somebody. I can draw upon that love of God shed abroad in my heart, as the Apostle Paul talked about in the Book of Romans, but and then begin to love those who, in some way, I would not be able to love uh, were it not for the love of God being shed abroad in my heart. John Stott, in his commentary on Ephesians, which I just mentioned a moment ago, says, we must actively cultivate a Christian life. Holiness is not a condition into which we drift. And so I'm I'm so grateful that Jesus gives us these wise warnings. Um, Don't allow what you uh, do to, to to cause you to stumble. Don't allow where you go to cause you to stumble spiritually. Don't allow what you're looking at, what you're viewing all the time to cause you to stumble. Um, does that include things like pornography? Yes. Is that all it is? No. There's so many times when our eyes are really becoming a problem. It can happen in church when you're just looking around and you start to fixate on what somebody else is doing instead of you yourself focusing your attention on the Lord. Um, whether that be uh, looking at the lyrics on the screen or in the hymn book or on a piece of paper and really drinking in the, the depth of riches and the theology that you might find in one of those Psalms or hymns or spiritual songs and allowing that to you know, permeate your heart and your mind so that you can actually focus on the Lord. So we, we do all kinds of things with our with our eyes with our feet as in terms of where we go and with our with our hands so there's it's but stott is right on he says we got to actively cultivate a christian life holiness is not a condition into which you'll drift and uh i think he's he's spot on there j.i packer has a book called Rediscovering Holiness, which is really, really great. And I'm going to run two quotes together from that book right here. He says, a holy person's motivating aim, passion, desire, longing, aspiration, goal, and drive is to please God, both by what one does and by what one avoids doing. Again, Packer being very practical, just like Jesus is very practical here in Mark chapter nine, just like the Apostle Paul gets so practical in the book of Ephesians, uh, the first half of which is largely indicatives about what Christ has done. The last half of the book, chapters four, five, and six, which are really about how we should respond in practical ways to what Christ has done on our behalf. So uh, really important. I think Packer is right on there. The second of the Packer quotes from Rediscovering Holiness is this: holiness is always the saved sinner's response of gratitude for grace received. I love that. That's that's that is indeed the proper attitude um, and the proper response of the saved sinner. When I know, when I'm aware of, when I'm consciously aware of. I'm going to keep it in mind. Um, I'm mindful about this grace that's been shown to me, knowing what a sinner I am, knowing how inconsistent I am, uh, knowing how I even have just trouble paying attention when I'm reading the scripture or praying or going throughout my day, paying attention to practice the presence of the Lord wherever I may go. It's so important for me to be consciously aware all the time, preach the gospel to myself, remind myself over and over again about God's amazing grace that's been lavished on me. Well, the last couple of verses really talk a bit about salt, and you probably picked up, on that uh, metaphor that Jesus used there uh, in those last few verses. What's that all about? Uh, Well, verse 49 it is, for everyone will be salted with fire, uh, or 48 rather, for everyone will be salted with fire. And then he says, uh, salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season and have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another? So the saltiness of our spirituality is not only for our own health and our own good and for savoring and delighting in the grace of God that's been shown to us, but also impacts our interpersonal relationships within the body of Christ. He says at the end there, you're gonna need that. You're gonna to have to have that salt among yourselves so that you can be at peace with one another. Um, I love the way that uh, John Stott, who I'll quote for a second time here today, um, says, Christian salt has no business to remain snugly and elegant little ecclesiastical salt sellers. Our place is to be rubbed into the secular community um, as salt is rubbed into meat to stop it going bad. And when society does go bad, we Christians tend to throw up our hands and." Our, our pious horror and reproach the non-Christian world, but should we not rather reproach ourselves? One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad; uh, it cannot do anything else. The real question to ask is, where is the salt? Mm. Dot, so good uh, asking that question, pushing us right back to Jesus metaphor here, um, reminding us that we need to be salty Christians. We need to have a salty spirituality that not only enhances our own experience with God and our own life with God, but it has an impact on others, makes them thirsty for the Lord as well. So... Uh, three things treasure those practices of discipleship that preserve humility and catalyze servanthood protect those characteristics of discipleship that prevent spiritual stumbling uh, three reflect those characteristics of discipleship that take others and or that make others rather thirsty to know jesus i think that's so important for us. And so many of my favorite theologians over the last couple of decades have written about this same subject themselves, Uh, like uh, R.C. Sproul in The Holiness of God. I want to, let me see if I can pull that up. Here it is, yeah. I'm sure that the reason I have a deep hunger to learn of the holiness of God is precisely because I am not holy. I am a profane man, a man who spends more time out of the temple than in it. But I have had just enough of a taste of the majesty of God to want more. I know what it means to be a forgiven man and what it means to be sent on a mission. My soul cries for more. My soul needs more. I love that. That really that metaphor that Jesus used there about salt and about how it impacts our own relationship with God. We want to be hungry. We want to be thirsty for more of the Lord. Um and we also would like others as a result of what they see in us we'd like them to be thirsty for the lord too when folks sometimes will ask me about what one what a person should look for in a church especially TV years who have moved to other states that sort of thing what advice can you give us for you know when we look for a new church and Uh, I often, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, look for one that really feeds you. Um, and I think that's important. I also think there's some other things that are important. Um, I, I, I hope the church you go to will feed you, but I, I hope it'll also make you hungry for more of the Lord, um, thirsty for more of the living water of the gospel and, and, and that Jesus offers us through the gospel. Uh, I also think a church that, uh, Puts you, sort of commissions you out. So just like we've had in this passage here, where the, where the salt enhances our own experience of our own life with God, but it also uh, has an impact on those that we are living life with in the, in the everyday world. Uh, And I think that's what your church life should do as well. Uh, You together as a community of faith, wherever you may be listening or watching from today, if you're a part of the Village Chapel, great, let's do this together. If you're a part of another church, uh, I encourage you be salty Christians that help not only enhance your own experience with God uh, together as a local community, but you also do that for the community that you live in. And so that you're having missional impact on others as well. This is a great passage today, and I, I, I so love uh, the study of Mark's gospel, and especially chapter nine that we've been in recently. The Lord bless you, have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At The Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.